Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm your host, Prudence Robertson. Sharing the heart of Christ where it's most needed. A new medical clinic in one of the most dangerous cities in the country launches with a mission to provide real care for moms and babies. We speak with Dr. Lisa Kanish, the director of this new clinic. Newest U.S. Senator, Governor Gavin Newsom of California, has appointed a new U.S. Senator to fill the late Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat. Unsurprisingly, California's newest representative on Capitol Hill, LaFonza Butler, is staunchly pro-abortion. We have the details on her track record and expected moves in the Senate. Protecting America's Children. Syndicated conservative TV host Liz Wheeler has launched a new book called Hide Your Children. A Catholic mother, Wheeler joins us to explain her thesis about the threatening cultural forces at work in schools, in the media, and in our government. A new pro-life medical center is opening in Detroit, Michigan, one of our country's most dangerous cities. Last year, Michiganders voted to add language to the state constitution that drastically expanded abortion and made it much harder for innocent children to survive in the womb. But this tough blow has not stopped the pro-life movement in the state, and the existence of the new Heart of Christ Medical Clinic in Detroit is a testament to that. It's the first of seven new clinics that the Catholic Church in Michigan hopes to build throughout the state. We're joined now by the director of the new Heart of Christ Medical Clinic, Dr. Lisa Kanish. Dr. Kanish, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. As I mentioned, this past year has been tough for the pro-life movement in your state, but you and others like you are really turning lemons into lemonade. Tell me about the new Heart of Christ Medical Clinic and the services that you plan to provide. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, as you said, the Heart of Christ, the first one is gonna be located in the city of Detroit on the campus of the beautiful St. Anne's Basilica located um, downtown Detroit. Um, and the clinic not only will be offering services to women and children, but also the entire family will be served as well. So we'll have comprehensive family practice as well as comprehensive women's health services. Part of the family practice uh, services will also include pediatrics care, um, as well as comprehensive point of care testing lab services. So that families that come in, women that come in will be able to um, do all their lab services on site as well. That's wonderful. Really a one-stop shop for families. And as you mentioned, the clinic is located in a holy place on the grounds of the historic Basilica of St. Anne. How will that help you uh, in your mission? You know, I know that you're coming from working in a more secular medical background. Um, so talk to me about the importance of this location. Well, so we're hoping that each of the clinics will either be located adjacent to or on the premise of a Catholic church. And so it's so amazing and to be um, for the first clinic to be located in the old rectory at St. Anne's. And one of the things that we're hoping is that at least uh, twice a month, either Monsignor Kasenki or someone on his behalf will say mass for anyone um, in the church, in the, in the clinic itself. Each of our clinics will have their own chapel um, in, inside of the clinic. And so on the first floor, when you walk into our space, if you go immediately to your left, we're building out a chapel. And besides Monsignor Kasenki um, saying mass, 
any and all of our staff will be willing to pray with any individual that comes in for services. As well, we're hoping that the Knights um, on a regular basis will come in and do the rosary. Mm. Um, that's wonderful. Having access to the sacraments is so important, especially in a mission like this. Um, Dr. Kanish, talk to me about where the clinic is set up geographically. What have you assessed are the biggest needs of the women in your area? You know, I think women in our area spread the gamut of what they're going to need. One of the things that we know is that in Wayne County, a lot of women um, wait and don't receive prenatal care for a variety of different reasons. And so we're hoping that through billboards, through education, through outreach, not only in the secular world, but also through the numerous Catholic churches that are in Wayne County, we can get the message out that come, come in, we'll see you, we'll provide all your prenatal and your postnatal care, and we'll care for your you know, newborn baby as well as your family. Mm. So that's first and foremost. We also believe though that most of our individuals um, will not only come from Wayne County, but will also come from Oakland and Macomb County. That individuals who want genuine, authentic Catholic care will drive into the city to receive the care that we will be providing. Mm. Um, so it's you know it's going to be um, word of mouth, and it's interesting as Catholics, um, we need to do a better job of working in tandem and working hand in hand, and not duplicating what somebody else is doing. Right. But but getting the message out, um, and so I think that. You know, God has been working in all sorts of mysterious ways because we haven't had to run any ads. We've had word of mouth people, you know, reaching out, um, wanting to come in, either volunteer at the clinic, work at the clinic. And so I think, you know, Christ is is working behind the scenes in all sorts of ways to help us not only with staffing, but getting the message out there that we are a pro-life Catholic um, service provider. Mm, that's wonderful. And where can viewers go to learn more about your clinic? We have to wrap up here, but I want to make sure people can learn more about the great work that you're doing. So the website is heartsclinic.com and they can reach us, you know, by going to the website, they can email us and, and get a listing of you know, the positions that we're hiring for, but also volunteer opportunities that we have as well. Wonderful. We're so grateful for the work that you're doing in Michigan to save babies. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Lisa Kanish, Heart of Christ Medical Clinic's new director. Thank you so much. And now some more headlines moving the nation this week. First up, New York City Mayor Eric Adams announced a new program that makes abortions available by phone in the Big Apple. The largest city in America has now become the first in the nation to provide telehealth abortions through their public health system. Using an online portal, Virtual Express Care, a pregnant woman can simply schedule a video chat or phone call with a state-licensed healthcare professional, and an abortion kit could be mailed to them at their home in a matter of days. This service is available to girls as young as 15 without parental consent, and proof of residency in the state is not required. These abortion kits have been proven to be unsafe. Many of them come from overseas. And even Bloomberg reported that a particular nonprofit that provides a host of these drugs, DKT International, noting in its reporting their shoddy quality record. Mayor Adams said he was, quote, proud to announce this deadly expansion. And Deputy Mayor Ann Williams Isom boasted of the, quote, suite of options that women have to end unborn life in her jurisdiction. In the year 2020 alone, over 37,000 abortions occurred in New York City.
Next up, in the city of Las Vegas, a woman named Tamika Thomas came forward this week with a devastating story. The lives of her twin unborn children were ended due to a mix-up at her local CVS pharmacy. I understand people make mistakes, but that mistake took something from me. A mother of four, Tamika has experienced some dangerous pregnancies and fertility issues in the past. When she became pregnant in 2019 with twins, her doctor prescribed her medication to help keep her pregnancy healthy. But when she went to CVS, she was instead given the deadly abortion drug, misoprostol. She experienced terribly intense pain and eventually lost her two children. A lawyer for CVS says the pharmacy techs on duty that day, quote, did nothing wrong. But the Nevada State Board of Pharmacy says they made several mistakes and have charged two of the pharmacists at the branch with professional misconduct, threatening to revoke their licenses. Each pharmacist also faces a $10,000 fine from the Board of Pharmacy. And now, shifting gears, we bring you the powerful conversion story of one woman who is using her international platform to defend unborn babies. Kathy Ireland started her successful modeling career when she was just 16. She has appeared on the covers of Vogue, Forbes, and Harper's Bazaar, and went on to create one of the most lucrative licensing brands in the world, Kathy Ireland Worldwide. Live Action recently awarded Ireland with a Life Award for her outspoken pro-life advocacy. We sat down with this supermodel turned super mogul during the Life Awards, where she shared her journey of becoming a pro-life Christian. We have that interview for you right now. Kathy Ireland, thank you so much for being with us today. We're honored to have you sit down with us. Oh, thank you, Prudence. It's an honor to be with you. Of course. Talk to me a little bit about the events of your life that have led you to this moment and this day where you're spending your weekend celebrating life um, here at Live Actions Gala, receiving an award from them. I, I always believed in God, but I didn't know him. Mm. And I didn't know that I didn't know him. And uh, therefore, I was, you know, making all kinds of messes in my life. Mom got saved when she was uh, in nursing school. I was a teenager. Without telling me, she stuck a Bible in my suitcase. I'd never read one in my life. I was uh, working in Paris. It was a lonely time, a hard time, and it was out of jet lag and boredom that I opened up. It's like, I don't know how to read a Bible. <laughs> and I opened up to Matthew, and as I began reading, I knew that what I was holding in my hands was the truth. I was a rebellious teenager questioning who really knows what's true. And as I read about Jesus, it was there was nobody in the room with me telling me, you know, this or that or think this or think that. It was just, I want to follow him. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus became my Lord and Savior and best friend at that moment. And I regret that the very thing that led me to him, I avoided for so long. I mean, I, I was saved with him at that moment, yet I was making so many messes. I would read scripture, and some of it I would love, and some of it I would just be like, oh, that's probably a, a translation issue or a cultural thing, or maybe it's a typo, Interesting. but it doesn't pertain to me. So I was, in my arrogance, trying to mold God into what I wanted him to be rather than surrendering and letting him shape me into the person he made me to be. So for years, I identified as a pro-choice Christian. I mean, it, it doesn't even make any sense. It's an oxymoron. But in my ignorance, that's what I believed. Uh, and then 
I, I worked as a model in the last century. I share with people I'm not an actress. I got the movies to prove it, yet it paid the bills for a, a period of time, so I would take jobs when I could get them. I had an audition for a movie of the week, and the topic was uh, choice and abortion. And the project claimed to be neutral um, and share both sides of the story. Yet when reading the script, it was clearly a very strong pro-choice slant because the pro-life people were um, crazy or uh, just had some real serious challenges. Sure. But that was okay with me because even though in my little baby steps as a Christian, I had made the commitment to, I'm just going to accept projects that I think would glorify God. Um, This seemed okay. It's a woman's body. It's her choice. So it seemed all right. I was okay with it. I'm driving to the audition, lots of traffic, lots of time to think. And then I get there and room full of actors long waiting line for my turn so I had more time to think and then it was my turn to go in to the producers and meet them and they told me it was a very important film for women and one of the producers said you know very kindly he said you are pro-choice aren't you and as the yes fell out of my mouth Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't true and I knew that I was in the worst place for me which was on the fence And all that time to think, I realized I'd never really thought about that issue before. Totally choked on the audition, went home, husband, um, an ER doctor. So I went through the medical books that we had at home, just determined to figure out where do I stand on this? I can't be on the fence on something so important. And as I read, I saw that at the moment of conception, a new life comes into being. The genetic blueprint is there. The unique fingerprint is there. The sex is determined. Uh, it's, it's alive and it's growing. What kind of a life is it? And according to the law of biogenesis, all life comes from pre-existing life. And each species reproduces after their own kind. So human beings only can reproduce other human beings. We don't start as one species and become human somewhere along the way. So I was not happy. I did not want to be pro-life. And my husband was like, and I showed him, and he was pro-choice too. He's like, how did I miss this? It's like right in front of my face. How did I miss that? I called Planned Parenthood and said, okay, help me out. Um, What's your best argument for being Mm pro-choice? And I was told it's just a clump of cells. If you get it early enough, it doesn't even look like a baby. And even in my ignorance, my response was, is that it? That's your best argument? Because we're all clumps of cells, and the unborn doesn't look like a baby the same way a teenager doesn't look like a senior citizen. Once you know what the unborn is, I mean, we all have to do everything we can to protect the most vulnerable among us. Right. Beautifully said. And Kathy, so many women have stories like yours where a recognition of faith has led them to become pro-life. I wonder, what is your advice to women who are scared to just you know, trust in the Lord to, to the, they're, they're holding on to, you know, some, some reason that maybe they should have an abortion. Like right. what's, what would your advice be to those people who are scared? 
Well, I mean, my heart goes out to women who are scared and women who have had abortions. It's estimated one in four women have had an abortion. And women are uh, not given all the information to make an informed choice. They're told, as I was told by Planned Parenthood, it's just a clump of cells. They're not given an ultrasound to see what their baby looks like. It's just rush you right in and rush you right out. It can be the most convenient choice for boyfriend, family, doctors. 15-minute abortion, $1,800 versus nine months of pregnancy. And babies can arrive at inconvenient hours. So while it can be liberating for everyone else, for the woman, it is not and many women refer to their abortion years or decades later as the aftermath. And what I would say to that woman in answer to your question is trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. That baby that you are carrying is a Mago day made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. God gives life. God gives eternal life. And for the woman who's had an abortion, my encouragement would be that know that nothing is too big for God. He will forgive. And he tells us, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we repent. He redeems. He paid it all on the cross. His last words were, to tell us die, it is finished. Debt paid in full. It's his grace. And so we don't have to do anything to earn that. It is a free gift. And his word also tells us in James, we're not saved by works, but we're saved for them. Mm. And he has so many good works planned for us, prepared for us. And that's why I'm so grateful to you, to everyone who is fighting on the front lines for the most vulnerable. And in these days and times, we've all got to be in this battle. Amen. Well, Kathy, we're grateful for you and all the work that you're doing on the front lines as well. And we're thankful that you could sit down with us for a bit today. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, Prudence. Thank you. God God bless bless you. you. Thank you. (laughs) Me too. Thanks. Coming up, we have the details on LaFonza Butler, the newest member of the U.S. Senate appointed by California Governor Gavin Newsom. Plus, Liz Wheeler joins us to discuss her new book and how gender confusion has become so prominent among America's kids. We hear from her next. You're watching EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Welcome back to our program. Governor Gavin Newsom has appointed LaFonza Butler, former president of EMILY's List, to the U.S. Senate. That's this week's Speak Out segment. Ms. LaFonza Butler was sworn in by Vice President Kamala Harris this week. She replaces the late Senator Dianne Feinstein to represent California after the senator passed away last Thursday night. Butler is the former president of EMILY's List, which has for years worked hand-in-glove with Planned Parenthood and the abortion lobby to achieve profit and political gain at the expense of the lives of unborn children. Despite her appointment to a California Senate seat, Butler was raised in Mississippi and currently resides with her female partner and daughter in Maryland. It's clear she was handpicked not because of her ties to the people she will represent, but the experience she has with the deadliest political movement in the nation. 
Butler has served as a key political advisor for both Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton, who both ran on their commitment to, quote, reproductive rights. Former President Barack Obama has called her a, quote, champion for change. In her acceptance statement, Butler says she's ready to, quote, serve women and girls. Unfortunately, in her view, that means further cementing her pro-abortion agenda in the Senate and ultimately hurting women and girls and even ending their lives. Butler's appointment was touted as notable, as she is the first member of the Senate who openly identifies as a lesbian and advocates for those who struggle with gender dysphoria, although she would not describe them that way. Butler spent her entire professional career electing pro-abortion women to serve in our government, and now she has become one herself. How can we trust her to be focused on speaking for the needs of women and girls? You can be certain she'll continue to work closely with the abortion lobby that she has led. But now she'll use the added power of her voting card to play with the lives of innocent Americans. Let's pray for the U.S. Senate. And to close out our show, we bring you our conversation with Liz Wheeler on her latest work. In her new book, Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids, Wheeler explores how the rise of Marxism in American culture goes hand-in-hand with the influence of gender ideology. We have that interview for you right now. Liz, thanks so much for joining us. I think a lot of people may be pretty alarmed when they see the title of your book, but the concepts you put forward are pretty clearly thought out. Explain the thesis that you put forward in Hide Your Children. Yeah, thanks so much, Prudence, for having me today. I really appreciate it. It is an intense topic. Uh, I, I think it's a topic that causes parents to have a visceral reaction. And it's, it's something that we've been having this reaction to for the past couple of years, maybe since COVID, when a lot of us would look over you know, kids' shoulders on Zoom school and see that they were just being inundated with critical race theory and trans ideology, in addition to the 1619 Project and good old moral relativism. And so this book began for me as a question of, why is this escalating now? This seems like such a concerted effort to target our children. Who's behind this? What is their purpose? And what I realized in the course of my research is that it's not new. This is not something that just started. It's actually decades in the making. Mm. The left has been trying to re-engineer our society through the capture of what I call our major foundational cultural institutions for a long time, more than my entire lifetime. And sadly, they've been pretty successful in this effort. They've captured most of the media, your show excluded, of course. (laughs) They've captured the education system. They've they've sadly captured a lot of religious institutions. They've captured the law, and they now have their sights set on the nuclear family, in particular children. So what I do in the first half of this book is I name the names of the people, the Marxists, and the organizations that are behind the capture of these institutions, Mm. behind the targeting of our children. And then in the second half of the book, I propose a solution that I will admit to you is different than the solution the Republican Party is offering for how we can start winning these culture wars once and for all, how we can retake these institutions and protect our kids. Mm. And you point out that in America, through traditional roles of men, women, marriage, and sex have been totally twisted um, in the first half of your book. Explain what you predict will happen next, Liz. Yeah, it's really interesting when you dissect the attack on the American family. It's also not new. And I I posit that there are five elements to the nuclear family, man, woman, marriage, sex, and children. And each of these individual elements has been under assault for a long time. And the, the efforts behind these attacks 
are largely related to Marxism. For example, the sexual revolution, which completely twisted in Americans' minds the proper context for sex. Right. I mean, the term sexual revolution itself was coined by a Marxist. The same with the feminist movement. I mean, feminist mystique, this famous book that set women against their husbands and against marriage and kids, was written by a woman who was a Marxist activist mm -hmm. for a long time. They are now focusing on our children because the final frontier in their assault on the family is to radically alienate children from their parents. So we see this in two forms. We see this with their efforts to assault our children's minds and bodies with poisonous ideology. And we see this also simultaneously in their effort to undermine parental rights, whether this is through their efforts to presumptively ban homeschooling, whether this is taking custody away from parents who refuse to, quote unquote, affirm their children's gender identity, or through efforts to say, well, parents, you don't want to vaccinate your child. When that child's 12, they can make that decision themselves, even if the parent is opposed to it. We are at the cusp of this, of this, this final effort by the Marxists to impose their Marxism on us, which is why, even though a lot of parents have spoken up in this country the last couple of years, and we've achieved a lot of victories, it isn't causing the Marxists to sit back on their heels. It's causing them to escalate because they know their moment to do this is either now or never. Mm -hmm. Liz, you're a devout Catholic. Talk to me about your observations about our church and our faith in today's current climate. How do the events of the last several decades still impact our Catholic church today? Yes, I am. I am a lifelong Catholic, a devout Catholic Christian, and it shapes my worldview. And that's not something that Republicans and conservatives, when they are also Christian, should be afraid to share. It's not something that we should remove from our policy, our public policy activism, because at the end of the day, there is objective truth. There's objective reality. Some things are good because God made them good. Some things are bad because they are against God. They are they are working um, for the evil one, if you will. And conservatives and Republicans have fallen prey to this idea that we should not include any of our morality in either legislative efforts and public policy or in our cultural prescriptions. We should know that it's not only okay, it is our duty to have uh, moral concepts driving our public policy. And lest I be accused of being a Bible thumper advocating for theocracy, this is not a new idea that I'm proposing. This is our constitutional legacy. Mm. Our, 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 the framers of our constitution understood that liberty is not the license to do whatever you want. Liberty is a means to something greater. It's a means to justice. And justice as defined by God, justice according to natural law. If we are to win these culture wars, we have to reclaim this idea and reinsert it into the public forum or else I fear we will continue to lose. Yeah, very insightful. Um, Liz, we're running out of time, but I can't let you go without touching on this. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion conglomerate in the world. You call it in your book, the biggest corporate groomer of all. Not a great slogan to add to the Rolodex. Explain the gravity of how closely tied the two evils of gender ideology and abortion are. Well, most of the time when we think of Planned Parenthood, we think of the blood money that they profit off of butchering unborn young babies in the womb. It's horrendous. But Planned Parenthood has moved on from aborting babies, butchering children in the womb, to butchering children outside the womb. Not that they've given up the latter, but they have adopted uh, this, this, they've adopted going into schools as they brag about being one of the largest sex educators in our public school system. They go in schools and they teach children gender ideology. And then the result of teaching children gender confusion is that these children, when they become teenagers, then come to Planned Parenthood 
for transgender hormone therapy. Planned Parenthood is now one of the biggest, if not the biggest, supplier of transgender hormones to young people in the entire country. So it's a pipeline from Planned Parenthood teaching children this poisonous ideology that festers in children till they become so confused that they go to Planned Parenthood for transgender hormones and Planned Parenthood fills their coffers butchering these children as well as unborn ones. Mm. Thank you so much for explaining that and for explaining to us about your book. Uh, we encourage all our viewers to check it out. Uh, thank you for joining us, Liz Wheeler. Thanks, Prudence. I appreciate it. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Don't forget you can find us at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms, Twitter, now X, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. And if you're interested in more news from our nation and world, go to EWTN.com forward slash pro-life and sign up for our newsletter, The Pro-Life Pulse. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.